spared no expense. Spared no expense. Top of the line. Spared no expense. Spared no expense. Welcome to Franchise Fan Guys. Today is our final episode on the Jurassic Park series. My name's Tom Breifogel, joined with Skidmar and Andy Schmidt. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Andy? Hey, I'm Andy Schmidt, and uh, uh, we just got two cats. They're currently named Gomez and Lola, but that will probably not be true by the time you hear this. <laughs> hey, I'm Skidmar, and do we like movies about cloned dinosaurs? You bet your ass we do. Franchise fan guys. Giraffes. <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy to hear about the cats. It threw me off. I I got so happy about the cats. I got very. <laughs> you threw off my my timing. Old <laughs> threw off my timing for my incredible <laughs> joke. <laughs> All right. So let's pretend that we're studio executives. So what would you do to bring Jurassic Park back to life? What would you look into to re-energize the franchise? Would you look for a story, a director, a writer? Do you look for ways to build the franchise and anticipate it up before it comes back as a film? Or would you have it come back as a TV show? What would you do, Skid? Well, I have two answers to this. One, one is a, an idea that started off as a joke, but I think I, it might actually work. And the other isn't really my idea. So the first one is I was thinking you should go the way that the Planet of the Apes reboot franchise has gone, which is just have dinosaurs take over the world and change the focus to kind of a post-apocalyptic one where there are people just trying, the, the last remnants of humanity trying to eke out an existence and then... And then you could take it on down the line and have dinosaurs involve, evolve into an intelligent species the, like the apes do in the Planet of the Apes franchise. And then just, just basically copy Planet of the Apes. That, that, would be, that would be my first idea. <laughs> and my second idea is I started watching uh, Cretaceous, Camp Cretaceous on, on Netflix. The, uh, yeah. have, have you guys heard of this? I haven't, I haven't watched it, but I've heard of it. But go, yeah, explain it for, our, for, for us. <laughs> okay, so it, it's a children's computer animated show series in the Jurassic Park universe. And it takes place kind of leading up to Jurassic World, through Jurassic World, and after Jurassic World. And it's about a bunch of kids, five kids, who all end up kind of winning a chance in a Willy, Wonka, Willy Wonka-type fashion to go to this camp on Isla Nublar. And, uh, and, uh, they, and then hijinks happen. And I was like, well, I'm going to watch this so that you guys don't have to. And out of just due diligence, but it's actually really good. <laughs> I actually really like the yeah, show. Yeah, that, that's what I've heard. I've heard that it's it's quite good. Yeah, it's a really good show. And I was like, oh, it's gonna be it's kind of uh, Harry Potter, where it's like, oh, they keep getting into trouble, and it's just like it's gonna raise questions, like why would anyone let their child go to this camp? But the way that it evolves, uh, to, uh, to coin a phrase, is is pretty pretty neat. The characters are good. 
the dinosaurs act like dinosaurs the animation quality yeah uh like a lot of shows like children's shows they anthropomorphize some of the animals in it but this they act like animals in this which is uh really impressive to me and uh yeah i i really really liked it i got pretty emotional watching it actually and they make good use of the score anyway it's a really good show so this the the concept of these five kids like trying to live on this island after the adults all everyone else is gone is a really interesting one that could be your franchise that could be your new movie in the franchise if they wanted to go that way but uh anyway well i think that that show has gotten a really good reception i don't know like what the viewership is like on it but i my guess would be that execs are looking at that because it because well i would hope that they are because one of the things that a lot of the execs don't do is they don't take into account like the actual like critical and fan reaction to things as much as they just look at box office numbers. Mm-hmm. So if the viewership numbers on this aren't that great, then they're like, oh, people don't like it um, and there's nothing to learn from it, which is the wrong sort of lesson to learn. And that's actually why it's a large part of why a lot of sequels spin out of control because I think we've talked about this before, but that like, you know, your box office on your sequels has more to do with the film before it than it does with the actual movie, you know, the actual movies. So like Jurassic yeah. Park 3's opening weekend is based on the enthusiasm people had from Lost World. Mm-hmm. Or a better example is Lost when Lost World Jurassic Park 2 opened, it had the biggest opening of all time, or at least of May, I can't remember now. I might have that wrong. The biggest opening weekend, this huge massive opening weekend, but it dropped off really fast, but the execs looked at that and they were like, it's a massive hit. People love it. And that wasn't really the case. Enthusiasm for Jurassic Park did diminish uh, from the second film. So hopefully they're looking at that because there has been a really good, you know, critical and fan reaction to that show. Not saying that that's where the franchise needs to go, you know, from a movie standpoint, but it, but there are, I'm sure there are lessons that they could be learning from that. When did that come out? Uh, I think... I think the first season came out last year and the second season just came out, I think like a few days ago. So Mm. it did get a second season. So I guess I assume it did pretty well numbers wise. Yeah. But yeah, it must have. It's just, it's really good. (laughs) I I just, it took me a while to warm up to it. I was like, Oh, you know, cause it starts off kind of the way I expected it to. It's actually funny. Like the kid, the main kid kind of wins a, a spot at this park with a kind of last starfighter type thing. He actually he beats this uh, virtual reality video game and he wins a spot in this park. But the kid, like all the kids are very different. They all have really kind of interesting niches that they fall into. The way their relationships develop with each other is really cool. And I don't even want to spoil some of it, but it was like I I got very emotional on part of this part of this. I'm an emotional guy. I'm an emotional uh, TV watcher, but it it's very good. I really liked it. Oh, that's awesome. What about you, Andy? What would you do? Well, I, uh, I don't know. I told you guys before the show. I uh, it's 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 been a while since we recorded. It won't have been a while for for listeners. Uh, and I I lost my notes, but that's okay. I'm so I'm just winging it today. But, um. Well, I think it is worth taking into account that there is a sixth film that's, I'm not sure if it's already been filmed or not, but uh, it's in the works. So Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Dominion is slated to come out at some point. We're still in the middle of COVID, so who knows when the release date will actually be. But 
Um, so they are they are continuing with the Jurassic World for a third one, but you know what I would what I would say is that I think they're in kind of a danger zone um, in terms of I don't think that the uh, the second Jurassic World did them any favors for fan enthusiasm. Mm. So I think they're they've got a little bit of an uphill battle. Not that you know, not that I think this one's going to tank or anything. I don't think it's I don't think it's that serious, but. Um, you know, but the box office return on that on that second Jurassic World was significantly less than the first one. And, and you know, I mean, yeah, I read some critical reviews. I read some fan reviews. Uh, I looked at some websites and stuff. And, you know, so it was just a very cursory kind of look. But I just tried to get an idea of generally what thoughts were at the time when it came out. Um, and a couple even, like, reflecting on it a little bit later. And it just didn't didn't seem to to move the needle in the right direction for them. So I think they've got... They've really got to hit this one really well to kind of get their footing back. Um, so just sort of a little bit of predictive. My guess is that the box office on this one, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's going to be great. I'd love to have a movie that uh, with my name on it that, that made, you know, what this movie will make. But from a Jurassic Park franchise standpoint, they're likely not going to, it's not going to be as big as they would want, I'm sure. Um and so the the question is, what do you do with this film? What do you do with the marketing of this film to try and turn that around? How do you rebuild fan enthusiasm before this movie comes back? So um, it kind of reminded me of the most recent Terminator film where they had, I mean, they were in a worse position because those movies have really lost their box office appeal. Um, but like their marketing campaign for for that last Terminator film was basically uh, them just finding different way to say no. We we swear this one will be good. Like trust us. Here's why this one you'll you'll want to come back for this one, right? So the that whole campaign was around the fact that you know in that case you know James Cameron was was involved. Um, Linda Hamilton was back for the first time since Terminator Two. Like they were really trying to like show like no 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 this one come see this one and it did do better. It didn't do as well as they needed it to do, but. Um, but I don't know that you, you know, I don't know that you can blame that on the marketing of that film, but I think something sort of in that vein from a marketing standpoint, I mean, you've got to have the goods. Like, I don't know what they're planning for Dominion, but given the title, my guess is in the way the last one ended with the, with the dinosaurs out in the wild. Now, my guess is it's going to be, you know, I don't know. I don't know that they'll go to the scale you were talking about skid in terms of, you know, a worldwide you know, battle with dinosaurs because there just aren't that many dinosaurs released mm-hmm. at the end of that movie. But they may do something on a smaller scale, or they might just they might just pop it into the future and go, "All right, it's been fifty years, and they bred like nothing you've ever seen before." And uh, here we go, it's war. That does seem to me to get pretty far away from your core concept. Um, you're you're now into dinosaurs versus humanity territory. I don't know that that's necessarily a wrong wrong thing, but it seems like a stretch for this franchise for me. Which isn't to say I wouldn't like that movie. I just don't know that Jurassic World is what <laughs> is what I want it to be. Yeah. Uh, although while you were talking, because uh, that sounded so kind of ridiculous, <laughs> I kept thinking that. <laughs> Man, this is terrible. That man's final mission, like, is was actually to go because uh, you know science would have advanced uh, during this time when they were fighting the dinosaurs. So their 
their mission is to go off world and find a, a giant meteor because that's the only thing that can kill dinosaurs uh, and blow up the earth. And I, now I just, I find that sort of morbidly funny. Um, Human made meteor. Yeah. I just, you know, I like, I just see it in that like ridiculous, like, like big B movie, big movie, you know, like, like the geostorms and the core. You know, the, like those types of movies. Like I could just see the like, you know, our scientists who like just barely have been surviving. They finally find the the group of people with resources, and they open up the big cargo bay doors, and they're like, "We've got a plan. Here's the plan. <laughs> the only thing that we know can that can kill dinosaurs for good is a meteor. So we're gonna go out and get one. Like I mean, I just you know, I enter Bruce Willis and his drills. I you know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's like a reverse that on again. Yeah, it's a reverse Armageddon. Yeah. yeah, this this is this is gold right here, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I, I don't know. The, you know, the, I I look back on the things that, that connect with me to this series, and it's and you know the ones that I the ones that I think are the best are the first one, and then there are aspects of the first Jurassic world that I really like. And they usually revolve around the idea of the park with the dinosaurs that goes awry. And then you can extend that thematically around and go, okay, well now the whole world is the park, you know, if they're out in the loose, but it's not really a park. They're just out in the world. Yeah, and It's a different awry. franchise at that point. The, the themes are right. very different at, when you do that. Yeah. And they've kind of run the course of, um, you know, here's a cool new dinosaur that dinosaur fans haven't seen. I mean, I think they wasted a lot of those, you know, a lot of those bullets because, like, you know, your your Stegosaurus doesn't have, like, a great scene or your Ankyosaurus. Those things are so cool looking, too. Like, they yeah. they show up and and dinosaur fans go, there they are, and then they're gone. Yeah. Um, That's the cool thing about the like... cartoon is they, they do stuff like that. They get an opportunity to do some stuff with the, those other dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, if Jurassic Park had just learned from the original 1984 Transformers cartoon, they'd know, <laughs> they'd know which dino. I mean, dinosaurs are super cool, right? Yeah. Um, yeah there hasn't been enough uh, Dilophosaurus. There's can never get enough. There's ne yeah, there's never enough. But it does seem like, like if you went back to, like you could do a smaller, less expensive Jurassic Park film that actually used what's available in the concept in a more clever way and i think you'd have a better more impactful movie that sticks with people and i think that's the thing that they've been missing is they've they've had trouble getting things to stick with the audience since the first and second ones the original yeah. first and second ones yeah they don't have they haven't had a character that i think people have attached to like people people like um I forget the character's name now, but you know the main guy in the in the Lost World, um, guy. Like they, they they like him, but I don't think anybody like is like wants to see another movie with that guy. Ian right? Malcolm. They'll go see another movie with that guy, the Chris Pratt character. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, like people yeah, that, yeah. people that, people enjoy him. They're happy for him to be in the movie, but like, but like when you came out of Jurassic Park, I think people liked. Alan Grant. They liked Ian Malcolm. I remember those characters' names, mm -hmm. and it's been twenty years or whatever, thirty years. So, and, and I don't remember 
Chris Pratt's name other than, oh, he was the guy that acts like Chris Pratt, but apparently knows things about dinosaurs. <laughs> right. <clears throat> you know, and that's not, I don't, I don't know that that's Chris Pratt's fault. You know, it just, they just didn't build very compelling characters. And that's something that the original franchise had that made you care about the events because you cared about those characters. And I think we talked about that. So that's the stuff like strategically I'd be looking at is like, well, what is it we're missing? Why is it that we're not connecting? You know, and then if I were in that room with the execs, you know, I know that the execs would turn around and be like, what are you talking about? The first Jurassic World made like $2 billion, which mm-hmm. is a fair point. It's a fair point. But then the second one didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think that's what I'd be looking at is the, the you know, the inclination often is just to throw more money at it. Well, if we do it across the whole world you know, and make this thing, then, then, then people will like it more. And I don't think that's necessarily true. That could be a great movie if you had great characters in it and you like, <laughs> you still yeah. have to do the stuff that I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, they won't go smaller. Like they won't go to a smaller scale film for this third one. I'm, I am sure of that. So in terms of what I think they're doing, I think they're going to try it. I think they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink. At this one, I, I I think like they've got a ton of cast returning for this one. So you've got, I think Alan Grant and Ian Malcolm are both in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if Laura Dern is returning or not. I don't think she is. But, but Dodson is back. Dodson, Dodson, <laughs> yeah, we got <laughs> we got Dodson, Dodson here. here. Although it's actually Campbell Scott playing him, and not the guy who got in some trouble. Oh, I didn't know he got in trouble. That's yeah. that's not good. Yeah, not not um, good trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, and then obviously they've got they've got the Lost World characters, and they've even got um, one or two characters that were in the first Lost World that didn't come back for the second one are coming back for this one. Like uh, I think he play he's from the New Girl. Uh, I think he plays Schmidt on the New. Does he play Schmidt? No, he plays the other guy on New Girl. Anyway, uh, but he was funny in the in the first Lost World. Uh, oh yeah, World. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's coming back. So they're there. They are. I think they are kind of to some extent doing what I was saying before of like, it's all the characters that you remember. It's all the characters that you've liked uh, and the ones that you didn't like. But any if you liked a character in Jurassic Park, then you have to come back for this one. And I think they're probably, you know, I'm interested to see what that marking looks like. But my guess is they are going to try and market this next movie like it's the capper to all six mm-hmm. um, would be my guess, which I think is a pretty good marketing strategy but like i said you know that's not an, a less expensive movie you know those there's a reason they didn't bring all those actors back for all the other ones um so i think that's probably what they're what they're doing and they're gonna go big and who knows maybe that'll work um i, I do think at the end of the day the marketing gets people their opening weekend but the movie itself the thing the thing that i think a lot of studios just don't look at they don't look at the at the tail of those box office results. Cause those mm-hmm. are often, you know, again, it's a general sense, but they, they are often fairly indicative, you know, like I look at something like the X-Men franchise, which had X-Men three, which people hated. And then the next one was X-Men origins Wolverine, which people hated, but still opened to like an $83 million, I think <laughs> opening weekend. And then people hated it. And then the next film was X-Men first class, which X-Men fans love, but the opening was meager. 
but it had a nice tail. It did not drop off very well. And they were able to use that to kind of rebuild. The next movie after that was The Wolverine, which was much, much better than Origins Wolverine. And then they were back with um, Days of Future Past, and then which did huge. It was the, the, the biggest one of all of them, I think. Anyway, just illustrating the point of kind of how, like, there's this lag... And and being able to read those numbers is is um, I don't think it's that difficult. It's just you just gotta kind of crack that code. Um, yeah, but content wise, what would I do? I don't know. I think I'd I think I think I'd be more interested in what they're doing after the next movie, which we don't know how that's gonna end. But I think I'd go back to something something smaller, something really character driven, and something that uses dinosaurs that maybe we've seen before, but in a way that we haven't seen them i also liked and i think i think people do like when it's a little bit more grounded in actual science so especially mm-hmm. if it's in science that's like debatable not like gene splicing debatable but like how did they behave what are the theories about their behavior like i think that stuff is interesting i think people want to hear about that i think people do are interested in dinosaurs i think they yeah. also want an action and adventure and a thriller and all and all those things but I think people like that stuff, and I think if you had a if you had a compelling concept for Jurassic Park, where you know maybe it is a group of kids um, that get lost, but you know then they wind up with a bunch of Ankylosauruses, and you know they they get taken into the tribe or whatever. Like I haven't done the research on on theories of dinosaur behavior, but I'm sure you can find something that gives you. S- some insight into both dinosaur nature and human nature that you could really thematically play with and, and do something really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's probably what I would, where I would go. I'd try to build the franchise back up, I think from, from the ground up. Yeah. Would you do it with a TV show or a movie? You know, the, the changing of format to a TV show, I think is really interesting. If we did a TV show, I might do more of a journey. Like they need to like something goes wrong and they need to get the dinosaurs from point A to point B. Maybe it's a you know across the country or something, and so you've got a group of people like with dinosaurs going from place to place. Um, and I think I might do something a little bit more episodic like that, uh, with an with an overall arc across that season. But I think that could be that could be interesting, and I think that could give you insights into. Um, into human into human nature, like how do pe- how do different people in different places react to the dinosaurs? Like it, it opens up a lot of like themes to play with um, that are there, uh, and they, they sometimes they're a little bit more prominent than other times. But like you know, you could get into things with natural resources. You could get into things with um. You know, if you wanted to get into topical sort of political stuff, you could get into immigration with it. You could get into like medical science. There's all kinds of things that the that a situation like that could could bring you into contact or conflict with. You know, animal rights certainly. You know, mm-hmm. are they owned? Are they not owned? Like, you know, the you know all of those things have been in these movies. Mm-hmm. They just haven't really done a ton with them you know there was kind of an interesting question in that last one about like okay this island is exploding should we save them or should we not like you know the whole like idea of like nature selected them for destruction which i think 
it's hard to say that na- they were actually selected by nature for destruction because they were killed by a meteor, um, which is not selected, I would argue. But that's um, nature. But anyway, it's it's a natural event, yes. But it's not like they didn't make it on Earth. Earth didn't make it. <laughs> like nothing survived that. Um, we so did. I, you know. Anyway, I, yeah. Our little okay. our little uh, gerbil like ancestors survived it. We won. Franchise fan guys. All right. Yeah, we won. So we've already so we've already beaten dinosaurs. Uh, that just plays right back into humanity's almost doomed. Do they got to go find a meteor? I think we're right back there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like I went off on like eight tangents, but yeah, I think as a TV show, I think that could be really interesting. And 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 the, I would just use that format. I would change the content to fit that format better, so that we're, you're using the format to your advantage. Um, yeah, TV would be interesting because it would force you to focus more on character and story because you wouldn't have the giant budget to be able to do all the dinosaur stuff that the movies can. So that could be interesting. Yeah, I agree. And and, and I do think that they need to focus on character. And mm-hmm. and I think the, the more I think about it, TV might be the way to go. Also, there's kind of this renaissance of TV uh, right now. I mean, people are really, really digging mm-hmm. television shows. I think... I think you know the the binging of shows has has um, created a new fan base. You know, like right now, I'm waiting for the last episode of The Expanse season five to to <sighs> hit, and then I am going to spend a weekend watching that season and just pretend like I don't have a family. <laughs> That's my plan. <laughs> have you watched um, any of it? I've watched the first four seasons. Oh, you have. I haven't okay. watched the fifth season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I love the show, and I and I read Great the novels. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, I think a TV show would be really cool, and I don't know that you would need any of the cast of characters that you've that they've established. I wouldn't rule that out either, but I don't know that you would need like a movie star in it because the the dinosaurs are the stars, really. Yeah, I'd prefer to not have a movie star just like chris pratt he's good in it and all but even when i watch it i feel like oh it's chris pratt on an island with dinosaurs i'd rather not know who the person is start over yeah and actually the more i think about it too like a show in the park like the day-to-day operations like parks and rec with dinosaurs would be great Mm. speaking (laughs) of chris pratt and tv shows yeah (laughs) but like how do you like meeting all those characters that like make the park run would be could be really interesting. I mean, I, I, you know, Downton Abbey, but with dinosaurs. Right. There's <laughs> or the any office. number of ways. You, you yeah, The Office with dinosaurs. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you could make it funny. You could make it more of a thriller. You could make it all kinds of things. But I think, like, the day-to-day, like, the idea of a park that big and the things that you run into and, like, there's a lost kid and how do you find the lost kid and, you know, you're appeasing the the parents and making sure they know that you're doing everything you can. And then they're freaking out because there are dinosaurs around. They're like, well, they can't get into the cages, you know, like there's all that kind of like interpersonal stuff behind the scenes. That's going to be going on with, with dinosaurs around you all the time. And that doesn't mean the dinosaurs don't interact, but you could have this sort of other, this is, I I think I'm now figuring out what I would want to do. 
you behind the scenes you would have the more thrilling drama like um like how they treat the dinosaurs when they're not on display when they're on display you think they treat them great right and then they treat the dinosaurs not great not because of company policy it's not that the company necessarily needs to be evil but a lot of people do that when they have an advantage, when they have power over someone or something else, they abuse that power. Hmm. And that's a very natural thing that that's going to happen. Not everybody does it, but I think you could get into some really interesting stuff and then you'd have outside influences because maybe the parent company is in financial trouble and there's a hostile takeover. And what's that going to do? And people are worried about their jobs and then they do stupid things and then they're stealing. There's so many different things you could do with this keeping it around the park where they, where the, the, the dinosaurs are cool and are doing things, but are not always the focus. I think, I think that could be really interesting. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. I agree that it would be cool to have a lot of the random characters who work at the park, like independent contractors or just people who work on machines and get their backstories. Kind of like if you guys ever saw the show, orange is the new black, Yeah, each oh, yeah. of the inmates. Yeah. You get their backstories and then you like them more. And then in Jurassic park, then if one gets eaten by a dinosaur, then yeah, it would mean a lot more. Yeah. I'd like uh, to, I'd like to see the workers unionize what happens when <laughs> they go on strike. Like all of that stuff, that's all part of actual, like the, the actual human existence. Like, it, it, but then, but now you've thrown dinosaurs in the middle of it, and you know what happens when you when the union goes on strike and stops feeding the dinosaurs, they get really hungry, right? <laughs> yeah, it could be a total, just really a commentary about corporate culture and just a workplace show. But when things go wrong, things get really dangerous, which. Right. That's a that's a recipe for success. <laughs> it's a recipe for death and success. <laughs> Life uh, finds a way. I would love an opening scene that would be one of those workers, like helmet cams, like a Blair Witch opening for Jurassic Park, where it's like lo-fi, low-budget looking, but then dinosaurs come out and uh, steal the show. I like it. Yeah. What what about you, Tom? What do you what do you, what are you what are you thinking? Yeah. I, I think more of a TV show but with a horror edge. Like when the dinosaurs are out, I would like it to be like actually frightening. Like like Blair Witch, like something like a horror movie. I I was writing down like independent contractors, their point of view of it, and then maybe the CEO's point of view, but then also a dinosaur point of view, which you touched on a little bit, like where you see maybe you see the same killing from the dinosaur's point of view and see that they were running from some some human force oh yeah um you get to do like doing one episode like rashomon style where it's the same event but from all these different perspectives mm. and every time yep. you see it again it, you 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 think a little bit differently yeah that would be that would be great yeah that's always yeah, good that's the jurassic park i'd want to see yeah the, the the first one being someone working at the park seeing their helmet cam one shot and that's it and seeing their friends die and then the CEO's point of view, and then the dinosaur's point of view. Yeah. 90-minute movie, in and out. <laughs> That's a pretty cool idea. <laughs> yeah, get me out of there. Let me see a bunch of perspectives and get me back home. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd want to see, because I definitely, I don't know if it's because I'm older, but we talked about it a little bit on an earlier version of this uh, Jurassic Park podcast, but the fear element, I was terrified in the first one, and I really don't get that as much in the rest of the movies. 
That's definitely missing, I think, from from the later from Jurassic World and mm-hmm. Jurassic World Two, because uh, at no point did I ever think that any of the main characters were in danger. Oh yeah, that was something else I forgot to say. In the movie Scream, I may have talked about this in another podcast, I'm not sure, but Drew Barrymore was on the poster and yeah. in the trailer. And then in the opening scene, I couldn't believe that she was killed. Like you're just like, no, she's the star of the movie. Yeah. I would I take back when I say uh, I would want one celebrity in this movie. I take back saying no celebrities and I'd want them to get killed in the opening scene and have no <laughs> one realize it's gonna happen until the movie's out. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I do think that that that, that unexpected nature, the, the 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 chaos element of it would be would be important. And that doesn't mean that you can't telegraph somebody dying, right? Like, I mean, I think I think it's hard to avoid doing that. But but yeah, you need some surprises, and you need to establish it. You know, and there are a couple of there are a couple of movies and shows that do a really good job. You know, Scream did a good job by killing her off. Um, I remember like the first time I saw that happen to like a big movie star was was that I remembered anyway. Well, it might have been Scream, and then and then um, like the only thing that was it deep blue sea is that what it's yeah, called deep blue sea it's like yeah. it's like is really known for is when they kill off samuel l jackson like that's really the only thing anybody really remembers from that movie yeah. um but you know I, I, there's a steven seagal movie executive decision that did that did that where steven seagal is in it with kurt russell and then steven seagal gets killed pretty early on um but uh, but yeah, having that element, you know, the Game of Thrones had that where you like you you really did feel for multiple seasons like anybody could die at any moment. Mm-hmm. The Walking Dead was able to do that, so I I agree with you. Fi- figuring out how to incorporate that as an element because I think even if you are doing a show about the park, it needs to feel dangerous. It needs to be dangerous, and the only way to do that. You can you can amp up and you can do camera tricks and all kind of you know low level music and all that sort of stuff for a while, and get the suspense building. But eventually, like you actually have to pay that off. You have to surprise people. Yeah, that's why. But like, also, the, the yeah. first Jurassic Park was had a lot of Jaws in it. Uh, Spielberg brought a lot of what worked about Jaws into that movie. There was a lot of not not showing the not necessarily showing the dinosaurs but like showing the effects of the dinosaurs and he killed a guy right off the bat in jaws and in the first jurassic park the the girl in the water and the park warden uh, feeding the velociraptors and yeah. i think that that that's one of the reasons that movie works so that brought the horror into it and then as the franchise went along, it became more about spectacle. So, like, you had to see everything, and that, that sapped a lot of that impact from it. I think one of the scariest, maybe the scariest moment for me in the first Jurassic Park was when that goat leg drops on the <laughs> car window. Yeah. You know, and there's no dinosaur in that shot. There's a no. goat leg and then, <laughs> and then a scream. And, like, that was, I remember that being the, like, Oh my God! Like what yeah. is about to happen? That was Where's the moment, the and of course, like the the yeah the ripples in the water, like those uh-huh. things are so effective. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then and then when you see the dinosaur and it pays off, like I mean, obviously the dinosaur itself has to work, but yeah, and and uh, no, I yeah I agree, but the 
the danger of killing off characters, especially main characters, is that uh, we can probably we probably all have examples of when that happens in a show or in a movie, and it kind of kills the show or the movie because you you killed off a character that you actually need for the for the narrative or that the yeah. fans have really connected with, and and now they're not as interested. So that's the thing that's really dangerous. And Game of Thrones got around that because the characters they weren't killing off were really quite compelling. But um, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, for me, like when they killed off Ben Urich in the Daredevil TV show, my enthusiasm just dropped because I, I was super into that character. He was my favorite character on the show and by far the most interesting, I thought. And I just, I don't know, my enthusiasm went down. And that, I mean, I think that happens, that happens fairly often, which is why I think people are, you know, execs are, are loath to kill characters off. Um, yeah, I think but, I think the trick is what well, the thing that Game of Thrones did that worked is you have to trick the audience into believe into thinking who the main character is and it not being the main character. So yeah, I agree. Without you, like yeah, at you, a subconscious level, you're you're actually establishing these other characters that you don't think are the main characters, but then it allows you to sacrifice this kind of this. Uh, this uh this MacGuffin this 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 uh sacrificial lamb and then the real main characters can take the stage yeah if you dissect the killing of Ned Stark and the effect that that had and why then you're you know especially now going back and knowing you know knowing who all the main characters are of Game of Thrones that first season you don't know any of them are main characters right you think it's Ned and he is. He is the main character of the first season. But throughout that whole season, they're building up all of these other characters who clearly have very interesting stories to tell. They are at the beginning of their journey. Mm-hmm. And the way that that first season ends that shocks you, but then also sets these characters off on these, you know, like it, it shocks you, but it compels you. Mm-hmm. And that's really tough to pull off. And I think you had told me that maybe you had you had met George R. R. Martin in a signing or something, and somebody had asked him that question. And, and didn't you tell me that? And then that's what he had said is like, yeah. Somebody asked him like, why do you keep killing off your main characters? And he's like, I don't. You just I just do a really good job of not telling you who they are. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I saw. Him. It was a it was a book signing at the Union Square, and yeah, he said that. I was just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, that's a, that's a great insight, and it's an amazing, uh, you know, not that not that he invented that, but he's man, he used that so effectively. Yeah. But yeah, that is that is it, and that's um, you know, and that's why sometimes when a when a death is a surprise, you can tell when it was you know somebody saying we just need to shock the audience, do something to shock the audience, and it spirals out of control because that wasn't part of the plan. They didn't didn't have a plan for like where does it go next and whose whose arc are we following from there or whatever you know i had mentioned daredevil and that's it doesn't really apply there because ben wasn't the main character obviously daredevil is the main character but they didn't really know where to go with what ben was doing so that storyline really languishes and and meanders after that point um it kind of dies on the vine anyway but yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like the way to do it, because you, you can't just kill off red shirts all the time, right? We figure that out mm-hmm. super quickly. Like yeah. you know, it's a red shirt; they're gonna die. So, and that that's 
that's really tricky. But you know, we have seen some amazing television writing where the writers, the folks in the writers' room, have really figured this stuff out really well. And I think I think they could pull a show all like that off. That is really surprising. Has that horror element? Has a thriller? Has human drama? Has a comedy? Like, I mean, there's just going to be comedy in, in that too. Like, and that contrast of light and, and dark is, is really important too, I think. And that was something the last Jurassic World, I didn't feel like it really had. It kind of just goes dark and then just stays dark. It feels kind of mm-hmm. homogenous. Yeah. Um, and you need that contrast. Well, I'm glad we got this cool. figured out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Let's Nailed it. This will be easy. Let's make the movie. <laughs> That'd be fun to have someone like Bill Burr or Chris Rock in a Jurassic Park movie, too. I don't know. Just someone really funny. Yeah. But. Bill Burr would be amazing. I would watch that. He was he was good in Mandalorian. Great. Awesome oh, yeah. in Mandalorian. I thought he was great. I love establishing a canonical Boston play. accent in the Star Wars universe, if nothing else. But even on top of that, he's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even think about that, but you're right. That's pretty funny. <laughs> so this is it of the Jurassic Park franchise. Do you guys have anything else you feel like sharing? I I love you. <laughs> wow. Thank you Andy. Wow. Talk about a, a thrill ride. I did not expect that. Um Yeah, I love you guys also. Um <laughs> Great. Yeah, I think that's a perfect button on this franchise. So, uh, well, here's here's a good question to go out on. Are you are you excited to see uh, the next Jurassic, Jurassic World Dominion? After watching these, is your enthusiasm for a, for a new Jurassic Park movie up or down? Uh, I think uh, for me, these they what you're saying about the characters being compelling or not compelling like they had two movies to get us interested in these characters and i we're still not really so i don't expect anything that's why i was like it's a good idea to just start over but i like watching dinosaurs so i will definitely watch it i'm just not expecting to be riveted by it you know i'm not expecting to be affected by it emotionally but i'm I'm definitely going to watch it just to watch dinosaurs yeah, even though I really didn't like the last movie, the way it ended, I was like, ooh, I would see this movie, this next one. And now that you bring up that Alan Grant is going to be in it, things like that, the marketing would absolutely get me. If I didn't know that, if I learned that through a trailer, I'd be like, oh, I got to give this a chance. So I don't know if it's going to be any good, but I think I'll go see it. Yeah. Well, I find, too, that that when I do a, a dive like this and I kind of, you know, I watch... I watch all the films in a franchise and you know, for the, for this show, like I'm not doing like a full, you know, we're not doing like full deep dives where we're really trying to dig in and figure all this stuff out. But, but it's, it's a fun exercise and it's, I always wind up, if nothing else, I'd be morbidly curious where it goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I always find that even when there are parts of the franchise, I don't like as much as other parts that I, I come out of thinking about them critically like this, I come out really invested in like where do they where do they go what do they do how do how do they do so um I generally speaking I like Jurassic Park anyway before we did this but now after like actually thinking through these things and taking notes and all that sort of stuff now I'm I'm 
pretty pumped for it. So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm definitely a huge fan of the first movie, <laughs> more than I was even before. So, Oh, nice. Well, what, do we, what do we have, a year and a half until the next movie comes out? Uh, I don't know what it's slated for, because I think it's it, supposed to be 2020. I, I guess summer, May 2022, I'm, I think, yeah, probably. So, so, yeah, about, so probably a year and a half, you know. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, our audience is excited for, for the next Jurassic Park movie, and we'll have to come back and do an episode uh, once that comes out and, and discuss what we thought. Totally. Well, then that's it, guys. Thanks for listening to Franchise Fan Guys. Andy and Skid, thanks for chatting about dinosaurs for four episodes. We're out. Thanks for listening to Franchise Fan Guys, Jurassic Park episode four of four. Please write a review and give a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Intro music by Tom Breifogel and John Harvey. To connect, visit FranchiseFanGuys.com, at FranchiseFanGuys on Instagram, and at Guys Franchise on Twitter. We love you. All right. <laughs> awesome. Franchise Fan Guys.